salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am your host, the Kamish, and we are talking football, ladies and gentlemen. We are now looking at mandatory mini camp. We're going past the voluntary OTAs and going right into mandatory mini camp. We are just months away from preseason time before we kick off the new season. I believe it's on the 7th or 8th of September. It's that Thursday night leading into the first weekend of football. It's a delight to be able to talk more about football at this this day and time. Not that I had any issues talking about basketball. I love basketball, but I love the NFL that much more. And, you know, I actually love college football as well. So I'm a little excited about getting back into the nostalgia of talking football and and reminiscing about days past or years past. But I want to concentrate on this particular show talking about minicamp at this point, how paramount it is to have people, all the players, all your top dogs ready for minicamp. Some people don't take it seriously. There are a number of people that right now do not take minicamp seriously. Now, this is mandatory minicamp. So if you're missing mandatory minicamp, you're getting hit in that pocket. So, of course, you know, when we're talking about how we're missing time at minicamp, the first person that comes to mind is Aaron Rodgers, right? Because Aaron Rodgers has made it clear he don't want to play for that team anymore. He doesn't play for the Packers anymore. And there's a part of me that doesn't blame the attitude that comes with Aaron Rodgers. I'm not blaming him for how he feels. I'm really not. People are probably looking at him as a crybaby. And the Packers CEO, Mark Murphy, Mark Murphy said that he's dividing the Packers fan base. Let me just explain something. The commission is going to break it down to you guys right now. I don't know how many of you follow football on a natural basis and i can only hope that after this past season maybe you're following a lot more because of what the commission has said to you guys in the past you've listened to the commission you said the commission he knows a little something about football i think i, I think i may want to listen more about what he got to say because yeah, that, that boy's good that man is good and I'm, I'm trying to break down to you right now that the packers organization thinks that Aaron Rodgers has split the fan base when in retrospect the fan base would not be split if the Packers organization took it upon themselves to treat Aaron Rodgers just a little bit slightly a bit like Tom Brady and when you think about the comparison between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady I think for some, you'd say it's a no-brainer. There's no question that Tom Brady is just head and shoulders better than Aaron Rodgers. And that would be a fair argument because we're not going to sit here and try to uh, pick hairs between, split hairs, I should say, between what we think and who we feel is the better quarterback. And when you think about Aaron Rodgers and the body of work that he's given over the last 15, 16 years of his career, we've seen the highs and lows. And we've seen what this man is fully capable of. And then I've said it before on one of my shows. 
how he has exhausted himself to the point where the organization has lost faith in what he can accomplish. And, you know, this is just indicative of where most players, not just Aaron Rodgers, stand if you cannot produce. See, what makes Tom Brady such a unique figure, character, is that he has... How can I put this? This man, outside of having the confidence, he has the God-given blessings of longevity, good health, stamina, endurance. I don't know what he takes. I don't know what he drinks. I don't know if it's his wife, Giselle. Maybe it's his kids. Who knows? Maybe it's the sunshine in, in California. Maybe even the sunshine in Florida. This man has probably devoted so much time to one organization where now when he's in Tampa, it feels more of like a retirement community to him as opposed to grueling days at work. New England probably seemed more like those grueling days that you just couldn't wait for the weekend to come and you dread Sunday night because you knew Monday had to get back to work. I think he's past that phase of what he had to go through in New England. It treated him well enough to get him six rings. But it's the fact that he's in his domain. He is under he's under the Tampa Bay regime, but everything seems to be in his control as to how he wants things operated. And Aaron Rodgers sees a glimpse of that. And he, and he sees how Tampa Bay is willing to bend over backwards for this Tom Brady dude. Even though the man is 55, 65 years old. And he's probably thinking to himself, I have accomplished enough in my career where I should have at least a taste of what Tom Brady gets. But the problem is this. The reality is this. It's the fact that even with Brett Favre and the accomplishments that he did during his tenure in Green Bay, he only got that team. He only got that organization one ring. See, when it's when you think about these issues, if you want to call it an issue, call it a dilemma, setback, whatever you want to look at it as, whatever terminology best fits your tongue, it's the fact that Aaron Rodgers did not produce enough for this Green Bay organization to feel comfortable and faithful that he can do it again. And he's had he's had two opportunities over the last two years to take this team to the Super Bowl and failed both times. Now, we can say we can blame other people, but Green Bay's mind is made up. They're content of taking money away from Aaron Rodgers to make the point that you're not going to you're not going to overstep whatever boundaries there are in this Green Bay organization. You're not going to overstep the people that have been in charge for so long, like the Mark Murphys and the Brian and the sorry Brian Gutenkust and other people that have been involved for a long time, because you don't have what you want, because you can't get things your way, and he hasn't done a lot to prove that he deserves it. So for that, we might as well rely on the quarterback we selected a few years ago because we know he's brand new to the system. And right now he's so headstrong as to where he wants to be with this team. He's made it clear that he is ready. If the time comes, he is ready for week one. 
Now, if you are a Green Bay fan that's divided or separated by which side of the fence you should be on, if it's for management or if it's for Aaron Rodgers, think about this. Where we are with Jordan Love is very similar to where we were 15, 20, maybe 25 years ago when Brett Favre took the scene for the first time in Green Bay. And he was electrifying. And then you see where Aaron Rodgers came into play back in 2007. He takes over and things got choppy, but at some point he became electrifying. So I got to believe if you are a part of that organization, you're thinking the same thing about Jordan Love. We've invested time. We've done the research. We've talked to his parents, his siblings, his friends, and they all say the same thing about Jordan Love is that he is a man. He is a young man that's ready to perform at the highest level. Green Bay sees this, hears this, and can't help but double down on Jordan Love. So much so that they move up in the draft to get this man. That is complete confidence beyond expectations. So when Aaron Rodgers says he's not mad at Jordan Love, I believe that. Because he has no reason to be mad at Jordan Love because this is all part of the business. Ladies and gentlemen, this is about business. And the fact that Aaron Rodgers is so bad, not bad, but the fact that Aaron Rodgers is so upset, miserable with this organization is in large part because the organization handled this badly. And so he believes. He believes he deserves a little bit more respect, maybe a little bit more credit for the work he's done. And Green Bay is waving that, waving that finger, that finger wag, saying, uh-uh-uh, you're going to get the same treatment we gave Brett Favre so many years ago when you first came into the league. This is just another cycle of how you rotate these quarterbacks. You look for the best quarterback to come, you go all in on that quarterback, and you, and you hope for the best. And I think when you're talking about the Green Bay Packers and where they are moving forward, this is where they are. Even now, at the start of mandatory minicamp, they are hoping for the best. And, and let me just say this real quick before I move on. For Jordan Love, I wish that young man all the best. He is in a position very similar to what we talk about with Trey Lance, where he's replacing an iconic figure in rank so that he becomes the heir apparent to what could be success, excellence, brilliance. And the head coaches look even more brilliant when these protégés come out and do their work. So look forward to that in Green Bay moving forward if we've seen the last days of Aaron Rodgers. With that being said, I want to talk a little bit about Atlanta. Atlanta pulls the trigger early this week and decides to trade Julio Jones, Mr. Julio Jones, the one of the best receivers in the league right now, one of the top receivers in the league right now, is traded to the Tennessee Titans. And let me tell you something. I, I, I'm on Twitter. I, I see a lot on Instagram. I hear a lot on TV. And you would have thought, you would have thought that the Tennessee Titans got Tom Brady himself to organize and run that team. Now, I'm not saying that Tennessee shouldn't be excited or glorified over having Julio Jones. He is or will be a key asset to that team. Must, 
mean, listen, I'm no fool. I have to say, I declare that Julio Jones is going to become an impact on that team. But this is where things get rough here. This is what makes this podcast episode so significant. But it really comes down to how well Ryan Tannehill is going to play for this team this coming season. It really does. Because let's think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Ryan, sorry, Ryan Tannehill. I almost called him Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Tannehill did lose. Not one, but two of his key receivers. He lost his favorite target in Janu Smith. He did. That that was his boot. That was his dude. That was his main man. That was his boot. That was the guy that might have saved them. Not, not to say that AJ Brown didn't. But you know, there's gonna be days where AJ Brown's gonna be double teamed. He's gonna be triple teamed going to be quadruple team they're going to make sure that man is secured with all these defensive players around him and he's got to find somebody to dump this ball to and while he's expecting the blitz janu smith was that main man especially in the red zone he loses him he loses Corey davis this offense be it slightly different is not going to be the same offense because now he has to rely on other people that he can look at and find in these desperate situations to bail him out when he knows that the defense is hot on his tail. Ryan Tannehill is going to be the caveat to the success for Julio Jones and the redemption period that he is that he's in now. This is this is the second part of his career right here. This is the redemption time, redemption period to prove to the naysayers, especially for the people there in Atlanta, that he can still do it. And because they took on a new coach, Arthur Smith, from Tennessee, mind you, now, let me just correct myself here. The commission is going to apologize because I believe an episode ago I said that Arthur Smith was from Baltimore. That's my bad. This man is from Tennessee. He was the offensive coordinator for Tennessee last season. He's not there anymore. Now, I, I, forgive me if I don't remember who the offensive coordinator is now in, in Tennessee. But it makes all the point that if there is no cohesiveness behind Ryan Tannehill, Julio Jones, I'm going to tell you right now, he's not going to have a great year. That's not that he won't have one next season or the season after that. But this is going to be a trial run for Julio to see just how physically fit he could take on these players and these defenses in the AFC South. If there is any breathing room for him, it's the fact that the AFC South doesn't really have great defensive, talented players outside of what we see from Indianapolis. And maybe a touch of what we might have seen in Tennessee. But the Tennessee defense is another caveat to how successful this team will be, a la Ryan Tannehill and Julio Jones. Because if the defense can't do their job of shutting down the offense when they need to, the opposing offense, I'm saying. How much are we going to expect from Julio Jones to go out there and just dominate on an offensive team like this? We know Derrick Henry is going to get his carries. And we understand that there'll be other guys that probably get their catches. But for what we want Julio Jones to do, 
there's many people that think that they're going to be high in the playoffs. They think that they can actually go to the Super Bowl. Now, this is no exaggeration. I actually saw somebody on Twitter come out and say that the Titans are contenders for the Super Bowl. Then you have to think for a second. Outside of the euphoria that comes with being a Titans fan, you kind of forget the fact that the Titans are still in the AFC, the American Football Conference. Which teams did we see last year succeed in the American Football Conference? Hmm. You know, the Chiefs, right? Uh, the Buffalo Bills, that's another one. The Cleveland Browns, uh, uh, um, the Baltimore Ravens that beat them in the playoffs. So what are we talking about when we're talking about the Titans being contenders for the Super Bowl? Are you kidding me? Like, 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 what brain fart did you come up with to think that Julio Jones is going to be that one guy that changed that whole offense and thus the team around to become contenders? Interesting enough, and I thought about this, and it's kind of funny, and I'm going to paraphrase when I say this, but I remember back in the day when they did an interview with Jim Brown, one of the best running backs of all time in the NFL, did an interview of, of Jim Brown. And Jim Brown had gotten the news that he was not the number one best athlete of all times. In fact, that he lost that title to Muhammad Ali and, and Jerry Rice. So Jim Brown was third amongst the best athletes of all time behind Muhammad Ali and Jerry Rice. And when he got the news that he was not the best athlete of all time this is what you love about jim brown today shout out to jim brown if you're listening he came out and i paraphrase i paraphrase and said he said how is it that a wide receiver could be that much better than a running back the wide receiver doesn't get the ball as much as a running back does and he felt neglected or maybe not neglected is the right word but i guess he felt uh he felt overlooked or maybe he felt um, cheated that he wasn't declared the best athlete in the NFL that they gave that mantle to Jerry Rice but he makes a good point I'm the running back of the team I get this ball probably as much as the quarterback and then the next person to receive the ball as much would be your receivers how would Jerry Rice be better than Jim Brown Meaning, how will Julio Jones be any better than the offense is right now? Julio Jones is a great receiver, and he could very well be one of the best when it's all said and done. But we can't think that Julio Jones is going to revamp this team into becoming contenders in one season. And that's given that he has a healthy, free season. He's got to be healthy. He's got to be on the field. He's got to be productive. He's got to give a team like this a chance to be successful. And I just don't see it yet. It's not to say that it won't come. But I, I've said this before about Julio Jones. The reason why he was sent out of town is because of the fact that who they picked in the first round made all the difference of what they saw moving forward when it came to offensive schemes. And they felt as though the offensive schemes would not work with an aging ailing Julio Jones. So maybe he'll get new life in Tennessee and maybe he'll be productive. But this is what I like to see in many camps. The fact that it's mandatory, the fact that these guys are out there in living color, giving it their all, breaking sweat, 
going through drills. It's exciting because we know that football is not too far off. So says the commission. Uh, there have been other things I saw in regards to the NFL and mini camp. I'm going to dedicate some time to um, mini camp and training camp over the next few months. This is something that I'll probably try to do every Sunday night. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to weigh the options right now, so don't hold that against me. There's a lot I'm trying to juggle between the playoffs, the NBA, and mini camp, or the NFL. But we're close. We're that close to seeing some football, ladies and gentlemen. And if you have the uh, premium packages when it comes to the NFL and, and being able to watch training camp, if it's televised, you're excited. You're excited because you know we're this close. And the fact that you can see Tom Brady take the field, we're that much more excited, I'm sure. But it's still the fact that it's still minicamp. No one's in no one's in shoulder pads yet. No one's hitting yet. But that, I'm sure that'll come with time. It's not too far off. But again, you've been listening to the commish, and this is the Kneel Down Podcast. I want to thank those again that have been listening to this podcast to this point. It means so much to me, and it really does from the bottom of my heart. All I'm gonna try to do is make this better with every show that I get. And right now, we're going to talk a lot of football. So expect more football on Sunday nights. I'm going to do my best to make sure we get another show coming around soon, probably within that week, perhaps even Sunday night. We'll try to make it do what it do. With that being said, I want to say peace and love to all those out there. Stay safe. Get vaccinated. I'm out.